Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Logan Broberg, 10 years of career and volunteer experience, currently an engineer with Kissimmee Fire Department in Florida on Engine 14. Logan is no stranger to most who are involved and dialed in with the fire service. I could list some of his accomplishments, but I can honestly say from experience and getting to meet and converse with him that he's so humble about it that there is no need to. With that, I present Mr. Logan Broberg. So my name is Logan Broberg. I'm with the city of Kissimmee Fire Department. I'm currently a chauffeur there, and I've been on the job 10 years now. Started out as a volunteer for about a year, and then Kissimmee gave me my first shot. So I've been there uh, nine years total. And um, how I got into the fire service, it's not really something that I always wanted to do. I actually, my father uh, was a police officer for over 20 years. My mom was a nurse, so I knew I wanted to do something, uh, you know, blue collar. I actually thought I wanted to be a police officer for the majority of my life, just listening to my dad's stories, looking up to him. And, uh, you know, he got me kind of interested in it. I did the police explorers for a little bit when I was in middle school. But then towards the end of my dad's career, I was getting ready to graduate high school, and he kind of just sat me down and was like, look, I see how things are going and, you know, the police service. And he's like, I really don't want you to do this. He said, go do a ride along with my buddy, Kenny, which was, he was a fireman in the same city. My dad was a cop in. And uh, he's like, do a ride along with him, see what he has to say. And if you still want to be a cop after that, he's like, I'll support you hundred percent. But he's, he pretty much begged me. He's like, I really don't want you to do this. So I went, I did a ride along uh, with Kenny. It was on a Sunday. And um, I just fell in love instantly. You know, he's showing me the truck showing me all the tools and, um, you know, we ran a few medical calls, nothing crazy, but the one thing that really stuck out to me was just the camaraderie that they had, you know, they were all hanging out at the crew together They checked the truck out together. We ate lunch and dinner together. We worked out and, uh, you know, that really just appealed to me. I was just getting ready to graduate high school. I was pretty active. I was a, you know, a wrestler in high school. So that's just what really appealed to me is being able to stay in shape, do a job that you don't really know what's going to happen every day and not, you know, stuck in an office. So once I did that ride along with him, he told me kind of some of my options on how to become a firefighter. And uh, so I grew up in South Florida and Florida as a whole, is kind of different than other areas. So if you want to get into the fire service, you pretty much have to put yourself through school. So they have all these fire academies and EMT and medic schools all over. You pick whichever one you want to go to, and you pretty much have to fund yourself um, and go through. Versus, I know some states, when you get on with the department, and they send you through a regional academy, they pay you, you're basically like a cadet. And back when I was going through, I was trying to go through in 2013, and it was highly competitive. So a lot of departments had just gotten done doing hiring freezes, and it was kind of the tail end of the recession. So it was like, you show up for a job. Uh, you know, there may be five or 10 people, five or 10 spots and there's, you know, a thousand people showing up to take mm-hmm. the test. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, what I did is he, he told me about a school in central Florida called Lake Tech and that's where he went to school. It was about three hours north of where I grew up in uh, central Florida. 
and they had a program. It's kind of like an apprenticeship program where you can live at one of the local fire stations and go to school. So that was a really cool experience for me. I got to go through, you know, school. It was Monday through Thursday. And then instead of driving home on the weekends, I would just kind of hang out at the firehouse and hang out with those guys. And they were super helpful. Um, it was actually Mount Dora Fire Department. It's a small department in uh, Wake County here. And uh, like I said, they were super cool. They'd help me with knots. Got to run a few calls with them, seen them on a structure fire. And that pretty much solidified my fate. And, uh, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And ironically, it's kind of come full circle now. Uh, Kissimmee was the first place that gave me a job, which is in Central Florida. And my wife, she's from Claremont. So I relocated to Claremont with her, which is in Lake County. And now I'm an instructor at Lake Tech, which is the same fire school I went to. Okay. You know, almost, almost uh, you know, 11 years ago. So that's been pretty much my journey into the fire service. Okay. It kind of comes back full circle where where you started yeah. is now, you know, where you, where you teaching, where you, you know, that's right. awesome. Yeah. It's, it's been, you know, a very humbling experience. Okay. Okay. Um, for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Kissimmee fire department size, your personnel, your call volume? So we're a four station department and uh, we have, I call it five and a half companies right now. Okay. So we run, um, we run AOS transport as well. So we have what we call them rescue trucks, which they're actually just ambulances, mm-hmm. uh, but they have firefighting capabilities. So they'll have a EMT and a medic on there and it has, you know, SCBA set of irons, a water can and a tick. So um, whenever I used to ride the rescue, I pretty much called it like the mini heavy because if you're <laughs> first on scene, you're going to initiate, uh, you know, a search or possibly a BES or any type of, you know, inside truck company type functions. And then we have three engines and then we have a squad truck, which is essentially uh, an engine and a heavy kind of put together. It's basically an engine that has all of our BMR stuff on it. Okay. And then we have one tower truck. And um, the reason why I say we have five and a half companies is because we have six rescues just because we're so busy that, uh, we took two of our busiest stations and put two rescues at them. And then our allies stations have a rescue at them as well. And so we're a four station apartment with about a hundred people on the line. And last year we ran 15,000 calls. So we're, wow. we're pretty busy for our size. Like I ask around other departments around here that are our size, just to put in perspective, they run about half the calls they run. So there's, there's two other departments um, that are kind of in the Central Florida area that run what we run, uh, Sanford and Leesburg. They're about our size. Same type of, uh, you know, socioeconomic, um, you know, status. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lower income area. So they're about the only two that probably compete with us. But okay. we're the busiest department in our county by far. And our chief's trying to get ahead of that and get more units staffed for us. That way we're not getting run into the ground as much. Right, right. No, I get that. Okay. Um, what's your minimum staffing on your apparatus? So on all of our suppression apparatus, it's three. And then our, on our rescue trucks, it's two. And if we have good staffing or we, you know, up, up higher, you know, we, we can ride four, but it doesn't really happen too often. Right. Okay. Okay. So three on the engine and how many on the ladder? Three as well. Three as well. Okay. So, um, if you get a structural assignment, uh, in Kissimmee's area, are you getting all four stations? So if it's a confirmed commercial fire, it, we're dropping the city. A residential, it's um, 
basically three engines, but they count the squad in that. So it just depends on the location. Then the tower truck, they, um, they send three rescues now. And then we have a battalion and then a safety officer as well, which the safety is a lieutenant spot. So that's what you get on a normal, just a bread and butter fire. And then okay. obviously, if it's anything more, our chief will, you know, call for a second alarm, which will drop the rest of the units in our city. And then they backfill whatever we need in that second alarm. It has to match the first alarm. We get those from the county. So they, okay. uh, we, have a, we have a mutual aid agreement and we work pretty well together. So okay. it works out pretty well. Okay. Okay. Um, next question for you. What does the term aggressive mean to you? So to me, um, the term aggressive kind of just means getting whatever you need to get done in the smoothest, most efficient manner. Um, I think some people get it confused with uh, being abrasive. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and I used to be the same way when I first got onto the job. You know, I was, I'm still fired up, but I'm a little more tactful on how I approach people about it, Yeah, you know, because I used to rub people the wrong way. Like basically like, Oh, if you don't like to train, if you don't like to work out, like you're a piece of garbage basically. And that was not, not the right approach. You know, I was just young and dumb. And now that I've gotten older, dealt with some injuries myself, I've gotten more wise. Um, I think it's just, you know, be a little more tactful and don't be as abrasive and, I know some people probably when they think of the word aggressive, they mean like get in interior aggressive operations with the hose line and all that. But to me, that's kind of a given. I mean, if we work for the fire department, we're supposed to go inside and get whatever we need to get done. But I'm all about being smooth and efficient because I've noticed too, as I came up in my short time in the fire service, a lot of people will confuse um, being aggressive or getting something done at a high level as just moving fast okay. so if i just move if i just move fast i'm going to save all this time and it's going to be way smoother and i'm going to get it done and that's not necessarily always the case and that's why i'm big on reps when we do training and i like to start you know at that um crawl walk run method mm -hmm. and I, like don't, don't get me wrong i'm all about moving fast and getting stuff done fast but i think speed comes with efficiency and when you're efficient you're going to move a lot faster if that makes sense yeah right so so like uh i i um i attended a lecture by a fireman named ben schultz he used to be a fireman out in colorado and now he's down in south florida and that's one of his big things is you know he says time is our enemy and speed is our weapon mm -hmm. but he gives an example on how he was able to help him and his crews mask up faster and instead of just moving faster and being doing these herky-jerky motions he filmed himself masking up and he literally broke it down step by step. Like, okay, what if I tape my bottom two straps? What if I already have my helmet strap long? Or what if I already have my my gloves on or in a way that I put them on the same way every time? And he was just showing how those efficient movements save time and then it becomes muscle memory. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Um, physical fitness. Everybody knows, anybody that knows you knows that is one of your, I, I don't want to say pet peeves, but it's it's your jam. It's your thing. Uh, and you did kind of mention earlier that, you know, when you first started, you you were like, you know, if, 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 if you're not into this, then, you know, you're not it. But did something occur to 
trip that breaker in your head, like, hey, I need to maybe change my eating habits or I need to do this or whatnot? Or have you always been like that once you got into the fire service? So I would say I always worked out because I pretty much from high school straight into fire and EMT school, I just continued working out. I was, um, you know, I wrestled in high school. So even in my, you know, sophomore through my senior year, I was waking up every morning, running three miles before school because I had to cut weight. You know, I'd go lift weights for two hours and then grind it out in the wrestling room for three hours after school and then, you know, tournaments on the weekend. So I kind of just always had that, um, you know, that work ethic and just carried that through. And I didn't know too, too much about the fire service, but I obviously knew that it was a physical job. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, I just got to stay in shape and it'll hopefully make things everything else easier as far as like learning the skills. And then, uh, you know, I got on the job and my priorities kind of were not the same. I was more worried about looking good. You know, I'm young. I got hired at 21 years old. Right. And right. I, was, I was living in downtown Orlando, you know, <laughs> as a, a single young fireman. So, you know, I was not necessarily doing the best things, you know, I was partying, doing, you know, stuff that young kids do. Right. And, um, so, you know, when I would work out, it was more, you know, like those bro splits, bodybuilding splits, like chest and tries, curls, all that stuff. Wasn't, you know, really training my legs a lot. Did no cardio. And one of my first wake-up calls was I signed up for a class that they offer at Valencia. It's a 40-hour uh, truck class. And it's essentially, you know, they teach you everything about truck company functions, so primary search, BES throwing ladders, roof ops, but every day they make you do an air consumption drill and all the drills are pretty physically demanding because when you do the searches, you're actually dragging your fellow classmates around. You're not just dragging a dummy, which definitely changes things. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of one of my first wake up calls because, you know, if you would look at me, you'd be like, oh man, Broberg looks pretty fit. You know, he's got the muscles, he's, you know, young. And it just kind of, the light bulb clicked that this job is not aesthetic. It's about performance. And that's how you could look at some of these older guys that have kind of been on the job a while. They may have, you know, a beer gut or whatever you want to call it, but they can work on the fire ground. They know how to make their bottle last. Mm-hmm. So I tell people all the time now, like, this job is not about aesthetics. I care about performance. And even when I teach the recruits, I tell them straight up, I said, I would much rather have a guy who maybe did roofing for, you know, half his life versus the pretty boy who's just working out in the, you know, air conditioned gym and his PT clothes doing a thousand reps of curls because our job is just that grunt labor. You know, there's nothing static about it. It's all dynamic. You're uncomfortable. You're in your gear. Your, your body heat is not able to dissipate the same way. Right. And so that, like I said, that was kind of my first wake up call. And then, my next wake-up call was I decided to sign up for Georgia Smoke Divers uh, mm-hmm. almost six years ago. And same thing, I didn't really know what I was getting into. My training did not match what it needed to be. I was kind of just still working on the gym. I would do gear workouts here and there, but, you know, it was like a 10 or 15-minute circuit till I ran out of air. And then once I ran out of air, I would just stop. So when I went to Georgia the first time, I failed within the first uh, you know, maybe 30 minutes of the PT session. And all we did was body weight calisthenics. Okay. So that was very humbling for me. And I really needed that. I needed that first dose of failure to say, Hey, look, man, you're not as good as you think you are, but that's okay. I can come back 
better. And they even tell you that there, you know, once you, or once you decide to ring it up and put your webbing on that tree, you know, they tell you straight up like, Hey man, you obviously didn't prepare. There's nothing wrong with that. Come, you know, come back stronger. And that's what I eventually did end up doing a few years later. But yeah, to answer your question, that's kind of just like my first dose of uh, reality as far as fitness in the fire service. And now I pretty much am in gear more than I do anything else or I do body weight stuff because I just feel that helps the best when you're on scenes, when you're on, when you're doing tasks in your gear. Okay. And with the weather in Florida, of course, you know, summer, humidity, heat, um, have you seen a, a a better performance on the fire ground uh, since you started doing your gear workouts? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that was the other thing I forgot to bring up. So yes, in in Florida in the summertime, pretty much all year round, you know, the heat index is usually above a hundred, and the humidity is also you know like seventy to eighty percent or above. Okay. So I mean, like even in the summertime, you can walk outside for two minutes, and you're already starting to sweat. So yeah, I've I've definitely noticed a difference in training and gear to help get acclimated to that. And right. it definitely shows I me mean, when you're running car accidents and stuff like that, just being used to being in your gear, having that elevated heart rate uh definitely pays off. And there's actually science behind it that you can get acclimated to the heat. So there's been studies like when people who are training for athletic events, they'll use like saunas in their training. Okay. And they were saying that if you, you know, just do 20 minutes a day for three weeks, let's say your body will adapt. And when you start to get hot, your body will essentially start sweating sooner, but it also will not dump the electrolytes as fast too. Cause obviously when you sweat, you're sweating out, you know, the salt and minerals that are in your body, mm-hmm. but your body adapts and understands what's going on and you won't be depleting those minerals as fast. And your body just, like I said, just starts to adapt. And they were saying, that even if you stopped the sauna for like two or three weeks, your body would still hold on to the benefits before they started to, you know, like wear off. Okay. So I kind of equate that to training and gear as well. So if you start out and if you just do 15, 20 minutes, every shift in your gear, even if it's just coat and pants, eventually you're going to find yourself being able to go further and further. And, I tell people all the time too, because like, let's say you go run on the treadmill, right? And you're mm-hmm. just in your PT clothes. You could probably run the treadmill, do three to five miles and your heart rate doesn't go above maybe 150, right? Like, like if you're just okay. doing right. steady pace, not trying to kill yourself, right? Like just the, whatever your pace is, whatever, if it's a 10 or a 12 minute pace, but you could sustain 150 heart rate, like that's no big deal. But now if you were to get on the treadmill and even just put your coat and pants on, and hold that same pace, I could pretty much guarantee your heart rate will spike to 180, 190. Right. And and you have to be able to get used to that feeling. And we don't have a choice. We have to operate in the red, which is basically like if you have any type of heart rate zone, monitor anything but you know, between 170 to 190, they consider like the red zone. And typically it's not the best for you to be in that zone, you know, if you're trying to get cardiovascular effects in your training. Mm -hmm. But like I said, the problem is, especially in Florida with it being so hot, there's no way for you to not get to that heart rate level. Right. Even, even if I just do what I would consider an easy circuit, if I go out at 2 PM in the middle of summer and I do this easy circuit, 
I can guarantee you my heart rate's going to spike to 190. And the issue is when you're in your gear, you're not able to dissipate that body heat, so you're not able to actually get your heart rate to come down. So you could even stop doing the physical activity that you're doing, and I would guarantee that your heart rate probably would still stay at, at least at 170. So like I said, I just tell people you just kind of have to get used to how you feel. Right. And you just acclimate. You know, like I've had workouts where you're doing it and it's in the middle of summer and you got that heart. I know when my heart rate's in my ears, I'm, I'm redlined. Like that's, okay. you're almost in the black at that point. Okay. But it's just a necessary evil because if we get that structure fire at 2 p.m. and, you know, everything goes well, you're still on scene a minimum of an hour or less between mm -hmm. putting water on the fire, doing whatever you need to do, checking for extension, doing overhaul. I mean, it's, it's just a necessary evil. Absolutely. So and that, that's why I'm big on, I don't care about what you look like. It's about how you're able to perform. Okay. Um, are, with, with you being so, so into physical fitness, I'm assuming your crew has also adapted to that. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky. So um, my, I have a newer Lieutenant who I came up with. He started around the same time as me. And so he's got the same attitude as me. He's into working out and he's really into training. And, you know, we've gone to various fire conferences together and have taught at different places together. So that aspect is easy. And yeah, the crew is pretty much bought in. If I say, Hey, I'm going out in the bay to do a workout. Um, you know, they'll pretty much all join me. I don't force them by any means, right. but, uh, yeah, it, it's been, I've been very lucky and blessed. We have a young crew that's pretty bought in and, it's actually even trickled into the other shifts. Like when I'm working overtime in a swap, I'll do the same thing. I just say, Hey, you know, I'm going to go lift weights for like 30 minutes, but I'll be out in the bay, you know, in the next 30 minutes if anybody wants to join me. And I actually, the other day had a couple of the people on the other shift join me. And okay. so that was, that was really cool. And cause I get, I get that question all the time. Like, Hey, you know, I'm really bought in and I really into training and fitness. How do I get my crew also do the same thing and the best thing that i tell them is just start with yourself you know go out into the bay and just keep doing your thing and eventually people are going to see and they're going to be curious and it just takes getting that one other person to come out there one time and then more people will follow and i, I just found that to be way easier than being abrasive it's a lot more successful well <laughs> or <laughs> Or, uh, you know, what I'll do, too, is I'll just make deals with people. Like, if uh, you know, I could tell somebody's on the fence. I'll just say, hey, just come out there for, like, a 15, 20-minute circuit. And then if you're done, you're done. You know, just give me 15, 20 minutes. What that almost always turns into is they just stay for the whole thing. And they're like, man, that wasn't that bad. Because I've noticed with most people, as far as motivation goes, the hardest part is just taking that first step and getting out there. Mm -hmm. And once they're out there and once they start the workout, they're already there. Right. Right. Okay. So, and I tell them straight up, I said, Hey, I'm doing this today because this is just what I need to do for myself, mm -hmm. for my goals. But I said, I'll say, just scale it down or just wear your coat. You don't have to wear your full gear or whatever the case may be. Cause I have to also be mindful that we're, if we're on duty, that I don't want them doing a Jimmy kicker of a workout and right. then the tones go off and they're not able to perform. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent. Because I'm sure you've had people ask you, like, how how hard do you go when you're on duty compared to when you're off duty? Like, I mean, you know yourself, so right. Not not everybody will be able to do what you do on duty. 
so my my first dose of seeing what the next level was other than obviously going to georgia smoke diver um i got introduced to a fireman named matt mcgee i'm sure you've mm-hmm. probably heard of him or done mm-hmm. his workout and uh, he's a lieutenant now for Orlando, but when I met him, he was a backstep fireman on their tower truck. And at the time, he was already a Florida smoke diver. He knew I was getting ready to do smoke divers, so he kind of took me under his wing and, uh, you know, really mentored me. And he was on an opposite shift of, of me, so he would invite me to his station to come work out with him and his crew and train with him. And that was really eye-opening. I remember the first day I went there, he took my soul, man. I remember he... We, you know, he introduced me to the crew. He's like, hey, man, they're going to smoke divers. So let's go do some search training. We were doing search training for like probably 30, 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then he put it, he put this workout on the board. And I didn't know it at the time, but he uses it. He calls it the spirit drill. And we just did it in coat and pants because it was in the middle of summer, but it was a five-round workout. And I remember I didn't even finish. I think I finished maybe the second round. And I had to strip my stuff off because okay. I was so overheated. And watching him and his crew just do it and they're on duty. I was like, man, I want to get to that level. And, you know, I asked him about, I asked him about it afterwards. I was like, how do you train like that on duty? Aren't you worried about getting a call? And I'll never forget. He was like, well, if you're not able to work out on duty, then you're probably not in shape for the job. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. He's like, he, he pretty much told me, he said, you should, you should be in enough shape to where you can do a hard workout and it takes you less than 10 minutes to recover and you're ready to go again. So that's kind of what I base my standard off of, but I'm also aware that, you know, that may not be other people's standard or level yet. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very, I'm very uh, tolerant of others, if that makes sense. I have a high standard for myself, but I'm tolerant of others. So I, I and I'm very easy. I can, I have a very good eye on telling when people are at their limit and tell them okay. like, Hey man, leave some, leave some juice in the tank. Right. So, but I, I think you should be able to get to the level where you are able to do a hard workout and all you need is five or 10 minutes. And I, I have been in the middle of a a workout where we catch a call Mm -hmm. and you just, you just either, if it's a medical, you dress down and go deal with it. Or if it's a fire or a car accident, you just kind of deal with it. But I'm also used to being able to do work, you know, when I'm tired. Right. Right. Okay. But I, um, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I I, I, I interrupted you. Sorry, sorry. I hate when I uh I, I don't like when uh, the guests lose their train of thought. Um, uh, man, I kind of lost mine as well. Did have a question though. Um, oh, that so, was the other thing. So, so you're no, asking about like how to get buy into, and sometimes what me and my lieutenant will do is we'll make it a more it won't necessarily be a workout, but it kind of is. So like the other day we came up with, um, you know, we hadn't done rip packaging in a while. So, okay. and all of our crew has pretty much gone over it except for one guy. We got a newer guy on our crew who came from somewhere from a different crew. So um, pretty much our standard in Kissimmee is uh, we use pickoff straps. I don't know if you're familiar with those. Yeah. For, 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 for down for, fire packaging. Yep. Yep. I learned that when I was but, in Tennessee. Yeah, so we, we pretty much got that from Basil. Basil's big on that. Okay. He kind of came up with it, and it's super easy. We just have them on all our rip bags, and I carry – but we also have them on our rip bags. So I was like, hey, let's just put one of our guys down 50 feet down the bay, and we'll have a team of two with the rip bag, search crawl down there, package them up, silence the pass, 
and drag them back 50 feet and we'll just rotate round robin style like that. And we also, we're very lucky. We have a lot of fitness equipment at our station. So we had an assault bike, we had stairs and then like the other station, I think was battle ropes. Okay. So while, while everybody else is waiting on the packaging to be done and dragged, they're working. So basically by the time we ended up going through like three or four times each, but the point of the training was to do the packaging while you're tired. Right. Because our baseline was everybody could already do it when they're fresh, when it's dark. So we're, I'm big on kind of like elevating it, like right? kind of that crawl, walk, run method. So now I'm like, let's run with this. It seems like a simple drill, but when you're tired and you've mm-hmm. got fire gloves on mm-hmm. and you're dragging one of your, one of your buddies, it's a lot harder. So it ended up being like a 30 minute training and it was kind of like a workout, but it was also training at the same time, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. And one of the, one of the guys on our crew with all of his gear on is well over 300 pounds. So of course, at the very end, me and my Lieutenant had to drag him after we were already pretty smoked and it was kind of eye opening for us. We ended up using some webbing to kind of help so we could both drag him after he was packaged. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of people like to do this tabletop training or they say, Oh, I would do this or I would do that. But until you start training and practicing with it, you don't really know what would work and what not, would not work. And I'm, I'm big on doing stuff when you're tired. Cause if you could do it when you're tired, then you can definitely do it when you're fresh. Absolutely. But also when that situation occurs and you are a little tired, it's not an unfamiliar feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. I've heard, um, I've heard different people say like when they get to a point of exhaustion, if they're doing like a group workout, they'll ask the individual like a simple math question or uh, how do you get to this address? Like naming the streets to get there. Right. Just because, now, now your mind has to shift into like go mode. But then another thing too is when you're tired, get yourself exhausted and then try to try to put your mask on. You're going to notice how mm. you like some people might fumble or you can't find the strap and not find the strap is irritating you more, which makes you lose it even. So it, it, it is like the science behind it. Uh, I understand the why pretty much is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and I, I like doing simple stuff like that because you don't, you don't need anything special. Mm-hmm. Everything that you have when you do stuff like that, you have on your truck. Right. So like the, like the mask up um, drill you were just talking about doing while you're tired. So one of our firemen, he came up with a drill when we were assigned to the ladder that you had to dump the whole chute while carrying a hook the whole time. So you throw every ladder we have on the, on the aerial. And then at the very end, your time would stop when you mask up. So they kind of made it like a competition. Mm-hmm. but same thing. Some of these guys who are normally really good at masking up when they're a little tired after they just threw the 35 and 28, 20 and 16, it's a little different. And like I said, you don't have to go to a training center. You don't have to ask to go out of service. You have all this stuff right there at your disposal. It's every day that's on your truck. You know, you don't have to ask your lieutenant, Hey, can I go do mask up drills? Like, no, it's already on your truck. You have an air pack on your truck. Right. You could do it right there. <laughs> I mean, it may, if, it you makes sense. A, if you catch a call, you already got all your stuff on too. So that actually increases your, uh, your response times. No, I get it. I, so. I I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Um, so for the, for the average listener out there that let's just say they do do some sort of like, I like to do circuit workouts. If I do, uh, if I, if I'm wearing my gear, what's about the average time I usually try to do between 40 to 45 minutes. 
Where would yeah, you I say think that's, that's a great. That's, about... that's a that's a good time. I think if you want to be able to perform that, like a what I would consider a higher level, if you can do forty to forty five minutes of work, okay, nonstop and not be too gassed, I would say that's pretty. I say that's pretty typical of like a normal, you know, bread and butter scene, uh-huh. right? I mean, you've probably been on more fires than me, but you know, <laughs> a normal, a normal uh, one or one or two room and content fire. If you get in, put a good knock. I mean, I, I can't imagine it being much more than an hour, you know. Right, right. Um, starting out, I would tell them, hey, start out 15 to 20 minutes and then work your way up, of course. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're starting out in gear and if it is summertime down here in Florida because that makes a huge, huge difference. I mean, I've even done workouts where I'm in what I would consider like, you know, I've been training a while, so I'm in a in much better shape. And a 20-minute workout, if I go at a high pace, like kind of, hurts me a little bit too in this weather okay that makes sense yeah 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 because that's one thing you you don't even you don't try to do it early in the morning or late in the evening you said the last time we were talking about this you said 2 2 p.m i mean that's that's when it's it's scorching out there yeah so it's kind of a a, it's funny because people think it's worse which i mean it is worse but for me i'm not a morning person okay and if i work out too late at night sometimes i can't sleep Okay. So kind of from like an unmotivated position, 2 p.m. is actually my favorite time to work out as far as like, I don't have to wake up early. I got a few meals in me. I was able to hydrate. Uh, obviously, when I'm training for stuff like smoke diver and all that, I do wake up in the morning and get something done, but I also do something in the afternoon. Okay. But that's just how I've always been. Even when I wasn't in the fire service, I would always hit the gym at, after lunchtime. Like that was just my... My body is, I feel the strongest and has the most energy at that time. Okay. But now I do it too, just because it's an added benefit of the extra heat. Right. Right. <laughs> but, okay. um, no, that makes sense. Makes sense. And uh, another thing I tell people too, when they're doing this type of work is you don't want to just blow your load in the first five, 10 minutes. Like you got to find a pace mm-hmm. that works for you. Just like on the fire ground. I mean, you don't want to just go in and, you're out of air within eight minutes and you got to go back out and change your bottle. So that's what I'm really good at. Um, It's funny because some people will work out with me and they'll, you know, they'll get ahead of me and, you know, they start talking smack like, Oh, I thought you work out all the time, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Mm -hmm. see We're at another, you know, 30, 45 minutes. And uh, it's just funny though. You know, it's somebody's always got something to say or it's just friendly competition. Um, But yeah, I think the big thing is just, being able to find a good working pace and sustain it. And then if you're not quite at that level where you can hold a good pace, just getting there. No, absolutely. Right. Definitely pacing yourself is, is key because you know, you don't want to jump off the gate too fast because you're going to burn out slow. So I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, it's funny too, when you, when you watch the, a younger fireman, you know, like if you have two different firemen that are different ages the younger one, man, as soon as you say go, they're out the gate. They're they're going. But it's like at the end, you know, a lot of people always wonder, hey, how come this old guy can go through this or can can hold the cylinder down while I have to switch out? It's because they pace themselves. I mean, you literally that's what it's all about is knowing where your heart rate is and knowing which speed that you need to work on. Right. That's what I tell these new recruits as well, too. I tell them, you know, you could be in the most you could be the most in shape guy on your crew, but if you blow through your bottle in eight minutes, you're kind of worthless to me because now we got to go outside, 
get your bottle swap back out, and then we're probably going to get reassigned because mm-hmm. even though I'm a small city department, we pretty much stack everybody up on a fire. So, so you're probably not going to get to be able to do the same assignment you were just assigned. So that's my big thing is, like, you got to be able to at least give me – you know, I don't think 20 minutes on a 45-minute bottle is too unreasonable. No. That's pretty middle of the road. Like, But like you said, these young guys, man, they don't know how to breathe. They're not pacing themselves. They huff it down. And so it's just finding that, you know, that middle ground. Okay. Um, and I say it all the time too, man, is gear, gear is the almighty equalizer. Absolutely. You know, I've said it. I know we keep talking about workout gear, but I can't preach it enough, man. It's, it's, they, they've even done it where, um, you know, they've taken like a week crossfitters and put them in gear and they're not performing at the same level they would normally be able to perform at. You know, it, I mean, that, that doesn't, that's not enough to convince you that you have to be in gear more. I don't know what it is. And I know there's newer literature out there about the PFOS and the cancer mm-hmm. and the parking engines and all that. And I'll be the first one to say, like, obviously don't work out in dirty gear. Uh, like our, right. our department is awesome. We have a whole loft full of out of service gear that if you go ask our logistics lady, she'll happily give you the set and you can work out on that. Or, you know, we have two sets of gear. So some guys will maybe wear their second set. Obviously it's clean. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as the PFOS, I mean, I'm no expert by any means, but the way I see it, there's plastic and everything. You know, our couches probably have that same material. Exactly. If you're warming your food up in Tupperware, I mean, I'd really be curious to see the, you know, studies on that. Mm-hmm. But because um, some of the departments around us have taken a knee-jerk reaction and they won't even let their guys yep. be in gear. And to me, I, I just think that's a disservice to the citizens. I mean, I'd be very, I'd be very upset if the firemen that serve my house are not allowed to be in gear. Like, what am I paying my tax dollars for? You know, uh, I agree hundred percent with you. I agree hundred percent. Like that, that's just my humble opinion. I mean, like I said, I know there's not enough research really out about the PFOS stuff, but I'm tired of hearing the Carson engine debate. It's like just wear clean gear. That's, that's I it. mean, we even have a. I tell guys all the time. I said, well. Why is your gear dirty? We have a policy that you have to wash your gear after every fire. We have extractors at every station. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse. And we all have two sets of gear. Yeah. So no, that's just my thing. No, you're yeah. right. I mean, I, 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 I mean, the end of this, what I'm probably going to say is might, might rub some people the wrong way, but you know, you have, you have guys like, oh yeah, no, we shouldn't be in gear unless we need to be. But then these are the same individuals who will put in a can of snuff in their mouth or go outside and light a cigarette. And it's like, what's the difference, bro? Like PFAS or you're doing tobacco products, same shit really. So why not in order to get comfortable and used to the gear you have to wear? Because I remember when it, when PFAS, when that whole thing came out, biggest thing was one of the recommendations is limit the amount of time your guys are in gear. If they don't need to be in gear, they shouldn't be in gear. Okay, fair point, mm, question mark, because you have to be in gear while training, and the only way to get better with the gear is to train, because everybody knows when you put the gear on and you strap that air pack, strap down, your range of motion becomes different. Squatting in gear is different. Doing push-ups in gear is different. Doing push-ups with an air pack is different. It it, all, it changes the way we operate. So for a recommendation to say limit your time in gear that's like you said, it's, it's a disservice to yourself, to your department and to your community who's paying you to be there ready to go with gear on. 
Right. So and I just I think there's other things we need to be focusing on. You know, like how about staffing levels? You know, like for instance, at the I live in Lake County, mm-hmm. and um, they still are riding two man trucks. So wow. I'm paying I'm paying my tax dollars, and you know the first arriving unit that shows up to my house is going to be a two man truck, which I actually just recently changed the the chief. Of uh, of the county actually lives a you know a few houses down from me. Okay. And he's pushing for three man engines hard, but they ended up moving their squad truck over to this area because their squad truck actually would be better fitted over here. But for me personally, I have three guys showing up first due, but there's a lot of spots in the county that are are two man, and you know the union is blowing the horn on that and trying to you know fight the good fight, but the commissioners just don't seem to care. But uh, unfortunately, you know, it's, it's nationwide. Yeah, so that's just my thing as far as far as priorities. I think we need to, you know, focus on how about we focus on staffing level because I'd much the studies show you're less likely to get hurt the more people that are on scene. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the May Day project statistics, the number one—I uh, shouldn't say the number one cause, but the most May Days that have been called have been called with units that have lower manpower. If that right. makes sense. No. I, I get it. 100%. And that's all, that's all statistical facts. And, you know, I'm not knocking my department. We're running three man at least. Thank God. But I would love to see four, but I think that's anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, so, I mean, and that's the thing. Uh, it, it's staggering that across the nation, you know, we're having to do more with less. A lot of departments, or I'd say a good majority of departments are riding at least three. You would hope at least three, two, right. It's crazy, but there's some areas that they got to do what they got to do, and you know, unfortunately, yeah, like I said, that's the that's the county I live in. It's it's two right now. You know, I'm 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 lucky. The department I run in is at least three, right? And then we have the rescue trucks that help as manpower too. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny because people always want to quote NFPA numbers, but <laughs> they they pick and they pick and choose which ones. Uh huh. And yeah. it's, it's the same problems everywhere. And I'll go ahead and put a disclaimer out there too, that these are all my own opinions. They're not the <laughs> my fire department or my chief or any of that stuff. So I don't get, you know, in trouble later for when they take little snippets out here and there and mash them together. Yeah, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, and that's the, that's the great thing about, that's the other thing I tell these new guys is I tell them, get out of your department, man, go out, Take outside classes, go to conferences, mm-hmm. go learn from other people outside of your organization because you start to find out that you pretty much all have the same problems. It's the same circus, just a different set of clowns. Exactly. And it does make you either appreciate that maybe this place isn't the right fit for me, and you're making a more educated decision on where you want to end up, you know, but and this, I've always been this way my whole life, right? Like when I wrestled in high school, our wrestling coach straight up told us, he said, look, I'm one guy. I can't show you everything there is to need to know about wrestling. So he said, during the go to these different wrestling camps, watch you go to these different schools and learn from either these different wrestlers who wrestle in college and, or who are Olympians or these different coaches who are also successful. So I've always had that mindset of like, you don't just have to learn from one person. And it just blows my mind that people have that mindset in the fire service. Like coming up, I had lieutenants and, and battalion chiefs like tell me, oh, what do you want to conference for? That's stupid. Like, what are they teaching you over there? And it's like, I'm learning from guys like, you know, Champo, who mm-hmm. 
have gone on many, many, many fires and have seen many different things. And they're just sharing their experiences of what mm-hmm. has worked and what hasn't worked for them. You know, they're not saying, I never once heard anybody at a conference or a class say, you know, I know everything or I came up with everything. It's right. all been passed down for many years and they're just sharing knowledge and sharing experiences, especially down here in Florida, we don't really burn as much as, you know, some of the Northern departments where they have colder winters mm-hmm. and we're pretty lucky in my city. We burn a decent amount for, for the area, but you know, you don't always get to do everything. Right. Right. No, I, t- I understand. I understand. Um, next topic, wellness and actually being there for one, e- for, for each other. When we're say, you know, big quote, big word brotherhood. Um, I know you wanted to hit on that. Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of in a, in my department specifically and kind of the departments around the area where it's a little bit lower morale. It's just, there's, um, there's been some staffing issues, you know, pretty much in the whole state of Florida. Um, I don't know if it was because of COVID or what, but all these departments are hiring and there's really not a lot of, uh, recruits or applicants out there. So, you know, the Mando's high and morale is low and people are always complaining now, like, oh, brotherhood's dead and brotherhood this and brotherhood that. And I think I couldn't be further from the truth because I truly believe that brotherhood is what you put into it. What you put into it, you're going to get out. I mean, you know, my, my one good friend, Tony Gillen up in Marion County, he had a very severe training accident that almost killed him. You know, mm-hmm. long story short, they were doing ladder training and they were showing different ways to put a halogen in the ladder and throw it. Well, the, the halogen came out, hit him on the head and luckily he was wearing his helmet, but it, you know, fractured his neck. Mm-hmm. And while he was in rehab, um, his rehab was in, uh, the rehab center he was staying at was in Jacksonville, Florida. And there were guys there from that department that would show up every day, bringing him, bringing him and his wife food. And when he finally got up and walked out of the rehab center, they had a whole line of trucks, all their tiller trucks, all their, their trucks, basically gave him a standing ovation as he walked out. And this is a guy who taught all over for many years and has given into the brotherhood. He's a, he's the fool's, uh, you know, like regional mm-hmm. lead guy for the, for the Southeast region. And I think, I don't think that's any greater example of brotherhood. And, you know, I went and saw him and, you know, it was, um, just his story, man, is just motivating for me that you can push through anything, you know, he's, he's able to, they didn't even think he might, they didn't know if he was gonna be able to walk again. Right. Right. So, no, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, that's how we met. We met through an unfortunate incident that occurred in South Carolina right. and bears of the else was like, Hey, we're going to do this thing in Tennessee. And that showed we had a plethora of people from agencies all over the place, all coming together to grind it out. It was hot that day. Um, sweaty, Nothing but I, I told Shane, uh, Shane Bentley, that the word of the day was grit because, I mean, we just did evolution after evolution at this station to this station to finally doing the big drill scenario. And I mean, it was it was great to see people that we don't know all come together for one common cause. So I agree with you. You put in to the brotherhood. You put in what you get out, essentially. Oh, 100 percent. And that's what happened, you know, for, for Mueller. 
You know, right. he was into the job. He was there for other people. And obviously, he tragically passed away while serving with his brothers and sisters. And people from all over converged on the Tennessee area, you know, to help raise money for his family. And, you know, you're not going to get that in any other job. But no. you also have to put in, you have to put in a little bit of work and effort, you know. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. just my opinion. Okay. Um, so. you, did, you, you did mention that you... um teach at at your at at the uh at the college where, where you pretty much got your, your your start at so my question to you is what do you specifically like to teach like what's your what's your thing so i i love um teaching truck ops they have a 40 hour a week um truck ops class there as well and i really enjoy that because sadly with uh when we're teaching guys when we're teaching recruits to get a job it's all based on what the state wants. And so we're essentially, um, we're essentially just teaching them to pass the test. Honestly, it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, pretty frustrating because for instance, they have to pass these like performance objectives and some of the performance objectives are venting a window. And there's like eight different ways to vent a window when in real life, you would just take your hook or your halogen and smash the window and clear it out. But because the state came up with a certain way, you have to teach them that exact way and they basically turn into robots because they're just, and we tell them straight up like, Hey, when you get on the job, um, your fire department will teach you how they want it done, but we have to teach you the state way. And it's basically, we're teaching them barely enough to not get themselves killed when they right. get on the job. Right. But the big, the big problem I'm seeing is, you know, like my department's a smaller department. Some of the departments that are around me that where I live are smaller they're only getting these recruits for, you know, maybe two weeks to a month to get them up to speed on how they do it. And they're out on the road versus some of these big departments like Orlando, Orange County, Tampa, they could put them through a three, four month academy, teach them their way exactly, have plenty of time to do it and resources. And, you know, they're better prepared for how they want to do it versus mm-hmm. when they get on the job with us. Like I said, you know, our orientation is about two to three weeks. And they're on the road and they pretty much just only remember what the minimum, we call it minimum standards here, but it's basically the state way. So I really, I've noticed it, it's putting a lot of strain on the crews and the officers to get these younger guys and girls up to speed. And we're at a point right now where um, a lot of people are retiring. A lot of people don't want to do this job anymore. So it's, you're constantly training new people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I love I, right. I love training, but it's just um, yeah. I guess it just it is what it is. So I do enjoy teaching the minimum standards because um, they let me run the PT with them. Okay. Me and a few of the other younger guys will run the PT. And we get them in gear, and it's kind of my way to like you know while we're doing PT, I'll kind of give them motivational speeches and talk to them about the job and what it actually entails, and kind of give them a dose of what it really is like. Um, so I do enjoy that, but I want I don't enjoy teaching the state way, if that makes sense. You're not the I only definitely one. Enjoy, I enjoy teaching truck ops if we could teach it however we want. And, you know, I enjoy teaching at any fool's event or any conference because we're kind of teaching more realistic and more efficient ways to do stuff versus the minimum standard way in Florida. It's not efficient at all. It's just whatever the state wants. And I'm sure it's like that in, in every <laughs> state. So, right. You know, it, it's it's 
It's it, hopefully, hopefully I'd like to see that change. Uh, I would love to see that word minimum standard go away completely. It right. should just be a standard, not just, well, if they can objectively meet the bare, no, there's no, there's no such thing as bare minimum, you know, especially in our field. I don't see the sports world going, well, you know, this guy just beat the bare, bare minimum. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's put, let's put him on the roster. It doesn't happen. You either. Or even you, in the, go ahead. even in the corporate world, even I joke all the time, like, you know, <laughs> I took all the time. Like, man, some of these people that we had to work with us, this is the corporate world. They'd be, yeah. They'd be, uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it's, it's just, it, it is what it is. You know, we have, we have, you know, unions and, you know, processes and, you know, it's a double edged sword. You like, yeah. you like the union because you want them there for you when you're in a jam, but also they have to protect others because of, you know, how things are. Yeah. So it definitely gets in the way of certain things but no i get it i get it <laughs> uh with, with you so something intrigued me with you like an engine work or i'm sorry ladder work have you thought about transferring over to the ladder that you that you guys have or maybe at so some be- point so before i promoted to driver i was actually backwards on our on our tower truck gotcha. so the, the, the issue with us is we only have one tower truck uh-huh it's only one one ladder company, and uh, they had a rescue assigned to it, so I would flip back between the you know the truck and the and the ambulance. Then I promoted to driver just because I want to you know progress through my career. And you're allowed to in my department go straight to officer without having to be a driver. You just have to be a ride up driver for a certain amount of time. But um, I believe I, it, to be a good officer, I think you should spend some time behind the wheel. That way you can help develop your your guys and girls that are under you when they want to take that step. So that's what I'm doing now. And like I said, we only have one tower truck and none of the mm-hmm. drivers on the tower are leaving because it's a good spot to be at. Okay. So I'm on an engine right now. And then I'm actually on the credit list. I'm sitting number two right now. They have already had three promotions off of it. And we're supposed to be staffing a new engine sometime this year. So if that happens, then I will get made to, company officer which is lieutenant for us and my ultimate goal is to either get on our squad because that's eventually going to turn into a heavy rescue Mm -hmm. or our tower but i just gotta you know bide my time and wait for a spot to open up that's right i tell people so i tell people i I love working at a small department you know it's got its ups but it's also got its downs as far as um growth and opportunity because if I was in a bigger department, I would probably have more opportunities to get on a specialized unit, but we only have basically two. And, mm-hmm. you know, those are the spots that a lot of people want to be on typically one, because they're second out trucks. They're not always running, you know, the BS stuff. And mm-hmm. two, you're going to all the good stuff because in our city, those two trucks go to everything. That's good. So I get it. no, I get it. I get it. I'm pretty, I'm pretty lucky though. I'm, so I'm on the busiest engine in our city and the squad truck will argue that say that they're busier, but we've been running a lot of numbers lately and we're actually busier than them. Um, so I've gotten a lot of experience just running weird calls because the North end of my city has pretty much everything. We have everything from mobile homes to like mid rides all condensed in one area. Okay. So all kinds of different calls. I mean, a couple of years ago, my Lieutenant got injured and he was out for a while and I was riding up as Lieutenant a lot. And, 
within like a month to two months span, I had four or five firearms that were actually working fires. Okay. So that was always something that was instilled to me when I was young as a young fireman is we always dress out for firearms. Don't be surprised when you find fire at a firearm mm -hmm. and it paid off for me. You know, I didn't have to scramble and try to go run back to the truck and get my gear on. Right. Um, so I, I try to tell that type of stuff to the younger guys because there's a lot of uh, complacency that goes on as you get on the job a few years and you think you've seen it all mm -hmm. and you know it all. And um, I just never wanted to be caught my pants down. So I always dress out for alarms unless dispatch straight up tells me like, hey, we made contact inside and they said it's a false alarm. Then obviously mm -hmm. when it's the middle of summer, like, yeah, there's no need to be in your gear unnecessarily and get overheated. Right. But right. No, so, but um, but yeah, I I just like I said when I took that truck ops class, you know, towards the beginning of my career, I just fell in love with truck work. But, but the the good thing about being at a small department is you actually get to do a little bit of everything. I mean, we have we have engines, vent roofs, and do truck work all the time. It just is what it is. It's like yeah, if the truck's yeah. busy doing something else, you got to get it done. So exactly. we only got one truck company in the city, so we kind of have to cowboy up. And like the last fire we had. Uh, it was actually an arson fire in a in a soup kitchen, and the engine that was like third or fourth in ended up bending the roof. So because okay. the tower the tower was inside, hooking ceiling and helping the engine company make a push, you know. Okay. No, it, so it, it, it is what it is with smaller departments. You have to be a jack of all yeah. trades. I mean, and that's what I tell these recruits because they ask about like you know coming to my department, and I tell them straight up like I love it. Um, I, I said be be warned, you know we're busy. But we have some of the nicest equipment and you get to do a little bit of everything, you know, versus like the bigger departments. If you're, if you're on an engine company and have saws or extrication equipment on the engine, departments. you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you go up and you stabilize the vehicle and you wait for the truck or the, to get there to start cutting. Mm -hmm. so we had a guy left us, but he came down from Fairfax County. He had, seven or 10 years of Fairfax assigned an engine and he never cut a car before. Cause he said it, and the heavy would show up and they, they did all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you, there's some people when they're on an engine, that's all they do is engine work. So like I said, there's, there's pros and cons to, to, to big cities and pros and cons to small. All right. I can hear can you. Hear? Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't. I don't know what happened. Sometimes uh, those that those AirPods, man. I got them too. They they do some funky stuff. Yeah. Um, Sorry, dude. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I can edit this out. Um, okay. My my last question for you is was going to be. Um, I wanted you to explain and talk about your fitness program because I think that could greatly benefit the fire service. So it's yours. <clears throat> so um, yeah, just over the years, I've had people kind of asked me about, uh, you know, different workouts and stuff like that. So I've always wanted to um, be a fitness coach, but I just kind of was like, oh, I don't know if I'd be good at it or stuff like that. So I finally pulled the trigger. I went through a, like a, basically like a 16 week certification process. Okay. And um, just to kind of, it didn't really teach me how to, train people well, I did teach me how to train people but it kind of taught me how to really just write programming and how to coach people and that's what I really want to do is like remote coaching but 
one-on-one. So if you come to me and say, Hey, I have this goal, like, let's say it's to run, let's say it's to do a triathlon, right? I can program all my workouts for you through an app and it's going to be tailored for you and your goals. Okay. But to kind of get my, my work out there and kind of my style of training out there, I made a 12 week program through my business and it's called the rogue operator program. And I started my uh, business called rogue firemanship consulting and training, but on Instagram, it's just rogue firemanship training. Mm-hmm. And then I made a website as well that you could access it on. And it's just roguefiremanship.com. But it's a 12 week program. It's already like pretty much preset, but I can move stuff around if they absolutely need me to. And it's about two to three, like lifting uh, workouts a week with some circuits mixed in. And then uh, two to three gear workouts and a active recovery day as well, which is either going to be a run or a ruck. And I pretty much designed it for anybody can do it. They just may have to scale it down, but I pretty much designed it in how I train. So for instance, like there's weighted pull-ups in there, but if the person has to use a band and no weight, then they can just scale it down. But I didn't want to make it too easy to where like some of my smoked out buddies that they wanted to do it. I didn't want them to not be challenged, if that makes sense. So Absolutely. it's pretty much how I train. Okay. And, you know, I can message people directly through the app if they have any questions and, you know, I could see all the workouts they do and comment on them. And that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. And, uh, so far I got, I've had pretty good, um, buy-in out of almost like 45 people sign up. Okay. And I have people range all the way from, you know, like beginner, uh, you know, what I would consider beginner fitness level all the way to like my one buddy who's doing it is a, a Florida smoke diver and he's being challenged by it. Not to deter people who aren't, at that level. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it was more of just a way for me to kind of like get something out there. And then my goal is ultimately to do one-on-one training, if that makes sense. Okay. But, um, you know, I wanted something that was kind of affordable for somebody who's a firefighter. So it's 50 bucks for 12 weeks of training, which if you do the math, you know, it's like 16 bucks a month, which is, I think it's pretty reasonable for workouts that are already, uh, you know, made for you. you just gotta follow them. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've been getting pretty good feedback from the people that are doing it and it's challenging them. And it's uh, been very humbling, the support I've gotten. And I didn't realize the network I had until I kind of put that out there. And it's been awesome, man. So, yeah, it's Rogue Firemanship Training on Instagram. And then the website's roguefiremanship.com. And I have the links, uh, you know, attached to my Instagram or on the website as well for the Rogue Operator. Okay. Another another uh, testament that brotherhood isn't dead, right? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I had, I mean, I I couldn't even believe, like, you know, I was selling stickers with the logo, and I bought, you know, like two hundred stickers, thinking like, oh, I'll never sell all these, and within a week they were all gone. I'm like, oh shit, I got to order some more. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's been awesome, man. Yeah, so I got t-shirts and hats coming soon, and just kind of trying to build the brand a little bit, but also help people. Cause I, I, I found out, you know, like looking online and looking for, for plans for firefighters, it's either like all lifting or all circuits and really not a lot of gear workouts. So I kind of wanted to mesh them together. And cause I, I believe you should be basically like a hybrid athlete, if that makes sense yeah. to be best prepared for this job. Like if you just are able to bench 500 and deadlift 500 pounds, that's all you can do. It's not really going to benefit you in this job. And if all you do is run marathons, but you have no strength, 
it's not really going to help you either. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of just like finding that happy medium, gets you stronger, build your muscle endurance up, get your cardiovascular endurance up, and then also get your heat acclimation and gear up as well. So and I put some pretty uh, gnarly gear workouts in there just because, like I said, I wanted people to be challenged. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing wrong with cutting the workout in half and coming back to it later and, do you know, and working your way up. So. Absolutely. I mean, you got to start somewhere. You can't, you can't just exactly. go send, especially if you, if you're <laughs> not prepared, that's that, that's, that's the best way to get hurt. If you do that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I tell people all the time and it's a pretty, pretty popular quote, but it goes comparison is the thief of joy. And okay. I used to do it too, man. I used to compare myself to others and you really can't do that. You just have to compare yourself to who you were yesterday. And as long as you're making forward progress, even if it's just 1% better every day, if you get 1% better every day, by the end of the year, you're going to be 265% better. I get so that. don't worry about, don't worry about what Danny's doing or what Logan's doing. Cause they don't understand. I've been training this way for five years, almost six years. Mm-hmm. So if you would have saw what my day one looked like, it probably wouldn't look too different than yours. Right. You know? Right. But you're comparing my, I don't want to say the end of the journey because my journey is not over, but you're comparing my, five to six year journey to your day one of you finally stepping up and saying, Hey, you know what? I need to make a change. And I truly believe it's, it's never too late to make a change. And you can definitely teach an old dog a new trick. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like it. I love the message. I love it. I love how you, how you said that, how you, how you did that comparison uh, because that speaks, you know, a lot of people would like to put themselves up or compare themselves to an individual. And it's, 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 it's good. I think for, for your mind to to do that, but you're not that person. That's why each of us are all, we're all individually created differently. And so you have to do what works for you. So I I like how you said that, because I guarantee there are people out there going, he's right. Cause like, you know, I've done that. I, I find myself doing that. Like, Oh, I wish I had this person's attributes. I just don't have it. It is what it is. And right. you just need to make yourself better. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've had people do it to me like, oh, I'm not at your level. And it's like, yeah, but dude, you do this way better than me. Like I got a buddy. He he was kind of comparing himself to me. And I'm like, yeah, but dude, you run way better than me. He could, he could put a 30 pound vest on and run my same pace of me going like 90%. You know, it's like everybody, that's the other thing too. Everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses. Like me, I'm just a grinder, man. I'm not, I'm not anything fancy. I'm not fast. I'm not strong. I'm not, you know, pretty. I just put my head down and I'm able to just black out and get the work done. And that's why I'm I'm just like, when you watch me work out, I just pick a pace and I just stick to it. You know, I don't go faster. I don't go slower. I just make forward progress. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you have to do, man. And that's why I tell people too, like, uh, you know, I get questions all the time about training for hard programs, you know, and I tell them the worst thing you can do is think about what is in the future. You have to just focus on whatever you're doing at that exact time. And I think when you do these long gear grinder t- type workouts, it kind of trains your mind to think like that. You just think, okay, I got a 50 foot bear crawl. I got to get done. Let me just do this one, one crawl at a time, one step at a time. All right. 50 foot bear crawl is done. All right. Now I got to go do some tire flips versus saying, Oh, I have three and a half rounds of this circuit left. You know, so you just got to take it one step at a time, man. And just not worry about what the future has to 
come. And I think that's a good life lesson too, man. I think too many people get caught up in, you know, what's in the future instead of just enjoying what they have today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Well said, well said. Um, but uh, I appreciate you coming on. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to, to, to do this. Um, uh, I know you're a busy dude. I know you got stuff to do. So uh, it was, I definitely, uh, I was kind of, well, I don't want to embarrass you, but like I was starstruck when I saw you. I was like, oh shit, I know this guy. I know this guy from somewhere. And I saw you in Tennessee. And I, I let me just let the listeners know, very Logan's very down to earth, man. He'll, he'll come talk to you, talk shop, um, you know, find out things about your department. He's super chill. So if you ever get to meet him, he's got a hell of a stash. I can tell you, you can't see it because I don't do video uh, for, for my podcast, but he's got a hell of a stash on him. Um, but I just want to say, man, truly thank you uh, for coming on and, and talking the gospel because I guarantee you there's somebody out there that needs to hear what you said. Thank you, man. It's been an honor and a privilege. I really love what you're doing, man. Keep doing it. And I, I love the guests, the other guests that you're having come on. And it's very humbling that you even wanted me to come on, man. I'm just a normal dude who likes to work hard. I'm nobody special. <laughs> I love the mindset, man. So like I said, thank you. Thank you again, pal. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.